is Fair Catch Kick, the 15-minute fantasy football podcast. I'm Paul Stoltz. I'm with my co-host, Anthony. Do I sound Italian enough? LaFrary. Today, we're coming at you with our picks number 11 through 15. In our previous episodes, we ranked our players 1 through 10. We received a lot of cool comments back from friends, family, and some listeners. And we just appreciate everybody tuning in, and we received a lot of positive feedback. Anthony, I was talking to one of my roommates from college, and he's a huge football fan, and I wanted to share it with him and get his feedback. So I was expecting this big, long-winded analysis, and he came back to me and simply said, Anthony sounds like he should be an extra on King of Queens. What do you think of that? Well, I got to say, I appreciate the King of Queens. I think it's sitcoms go. It's pretty good. The clip of the King of Queens when he's playing football against the Pee Wee kids is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And I love the bit when he tried to wean himself off of Cocoa Krispies by going half Cocoa Krispies and half Rice Krispies. I thought that was pretty funny too. So I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment. Well done. Well done. Without further ado, Anthony, hit him with number 11. Okay. Thank you, Paul. So number 11, I am going to go with Julio Jones down to the schoolyard. I really like Julio Jones as a player. The last episode, I called DeAndre Hopkins the best wide receiver in the game. Julio's really been the battle standard for the last five years. He's pretty close to a sure thing. There's just a couple of things I'm worried about. First, he's always banged up. He misses games here and there. I just worry that it's going to build up and his body's going to start to break down and he'll be available less and less. Concern number two is Calvin Ridley is an elite talent, and I worry he's going to start to chip away at Julio's looks the same way Julio once did to Roddy White. That being said, whenever Julio's out there and he's right, he's nothing short of special. You can draft him as your number one receiver, end of the first round, beginning of the second, and feel pretty good about yourself. So I love this pick. I'm a big Julio Jones fan. I'll, I'll give it away now. Julio Jones is my number 13 on this list, which is having him all the way back at 13, again, is more a product of, I believe there's a clear first tier of running backs that ends with Josh Jacobs and you got to get one of those in the first round. But here's my quick deal on, on Julio Jones. Last year, there's a clip of Larry Fitzgerald calling Kyler Murray over in the beginning of a Falcons-Cardinals game. And Larry Fitzgerald says to Kyler, Kyler, you are looking right over there at number 11. That is the GOAT. And coming from Larry Fitzgerald is an unbelievable compliment. It sure is. Julio Jones had his worst statistical year since his injury year in 2013 and he was still 99 catches for 1,394 yards. His route running is elite. It's top three. His body control when the ball's in the air I think is the best that I've ever seen. He's fantastic. Paul, where would you put him in the grand scheme of wide receivers in the history of the game? I hate making a ranking on somebody until they actually retire. Mm -hmm. But he's trickled himself into the conversation. Um, Top 15, he's probably going into top 10. But we'll see what the statistical output looks like from a career standpoint. 
when he when he decides to hang him up. Yeah, it's a shame that the Falcon blew that Super Bowl because if he would have had that awesome catch to win that Super Bowl in his resume, the sky's the limit for him. He's in he's in Jerry Rice territory if that holds up. Completely agree. So for my number eleven, I believe he was your number ten. I'm going with Devontae Adams. As you aptly said last episode, LaFrary, Devontae Adams is option 1A, 2B, and 3C. I don't think I need to do any more analysis on Devontae Adams. So here's what I'm going to use this time to say. I would love to be in the Packers post-mortem meeting after they had a phenomenal season. They made it to the NFC Championship game. And I just want to know, who is the genius of a human being that watched that whole season and sat in that meeting and said, you know what, guys? You know what we need to do in the draft? We need to go get a quarterback and a running back. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And sure enough, what did they do? They drafted a, a quarterback, not even somebody that was, like, highly touted. He's a, he's a project quarterback. With the, with, who was the fifth quarterback off the board. And then they went and they took A.J. Dillon in the second round. Those are the two positions that they do not need offensively. This is a team that has never given Aaron Rodgers the support that he needed. They have not drafted a skilled position player on the offensive side of the ball since Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I got to say, that was literally one of the – watching the draft back in May – and watching their strategy unfold. I mean, I, I was watching it with my dad, and I remember saying to him, I hope they draft a quarterback just to anger Aaron Rodgers. And when it happened, I left for no exaggeration, three minutes straight. The only time I probably was happier than that during draft weekend was CeeDee Lamb falling to the Cowboys and the greatest moment of all was the Birds drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was even funnier. But <laughs> want to know what's even funnier? What Aaron Rodgers had to say to the Packers management after that draft pick. I'm pretty sure he had as much to say to them as he had to say to his family. Absolutely. And the last thing I'll add there, the fact that they didn't take a wide receiver. This is the best wide receiver draft class since the 1996 class, right? I mean, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Brandon Ayuk, right, uh, Jefferson. I mean, the, the list Judy. goes on. There's still talent available. But I digress. I'll roll on to um, my number 12, which was another one from your previous list, DeAndre Hopkins. You aptly said last episode he's one in two most talented receivers in the NFL, along with Julio Jones. I'll give you one stat to support it. DeAndre Hopkins has now gone five straight years with 150 targets. Last year, he tied Keenan Allen for second in receptions after Michael Thomas. He's been mostly subjected to running mesh routes underneath and then relies on his physical tools to be able to make bigger plays. But it'll be interesting to see what he does in the bombs away Cliff Kingsbury offense. I like Christian Kirk as a nice deep threat compliment to him, similar to the way that Will Fuller was. Just hopefully Christian Kirk doesn't have the same injury woes as Will Fuller. Well said, Paul. I totally agree with you. Clearly the wide receiver run is on for you on your draft board. Um, <laughs> well said. Well said. 
I'm going to go to my number 12. This is a player right out of your heart. Austin Eckler. Oh, baby. There it is. I knew you loved him. Austin Eckler was a machine last year, and he had to share the touches with Melvin Gordon. Paul, where's Melvin Gordon now? Denver. What does that mean? It means Austin Eckler's the guy, baby. It's all that needs to be said. Eckler's the man. If you can get him in the beginning of the second round, especially if you could pair him up with another running back that fell, you're going to do some damage. And I'm going to move right on from there. Paul, all you have. If, if, if you don't mind, I got Eckler. I'm shocked. I thought that I was going to be the first one on this episode with Eckler. I have him at 14. Let me roll with him real quick since we're on the topic. I cannot believe that you put him on before me. You totally stole my steam on this one. I think Eckler is like a lesser Christian McCaffrey. He had no drops in 92 passes thrown his way. He's got great balance. He doesn't go down easy. His acceleration is above average. It's not phenomenal, right? You're not going to see him take it to the house on long, long stuff, but it's good. They're still going to run the same zone spread that they did when, uh, when Rivers was there. They have a really fast offensive line. But here's the key piece that I wanted to point out, and partially why I made the Christian McCaffrey comparison. They did get rid of Russell Okun, who's a very good pass blocker at left tackle. He, however, is also pretty slow. They traded him for Trey Turner. Trey Turner was a guard for the Carolina Panthers last year. Trey Turner was a pro bowler. However, I took some time to watch film on him before this conversation. And Trey Turner is not a very good pass blocker. But what he is good at is he's great at attacking the defensive line, which sets up perfectly for what the Chargers try to do. Most importantly, what the Chargers try to do with Eckler, right? So you're going to see a pulling guard out in space. They also got Brian Balaga to replace Russell Okung, I think that you're going to see Eckler have another big season this year. And I think he's one of the few safe running back picks remaining. When they took, I believe it was Josh Kelly in the third or fourth round, tried to watch a little bit on him. I don't think he's very good out of UCLA. I'm not a fan of Justin Jackson. Eckler's the lead dog, man. Love it. And Paul, I just got to say, you're a couple of boom exclamations away from being the reincarnation of John Madden with your love for the offensive line. Love it, buddy. <laughs> so moving on to my 13, I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake. Bell cow wow. backs. Yeah. Wow. I, I am shocking you today. Bell wow. cow backs have value. And once this dude got traded to Arizona, he really came into his own. Played eight games with the Cardinals. He had 643 yards and eight TDs. If you double that, because that's exactly half a season, you're looking at close to 1,300 yards and 16 touchdowns. He's now going to have a full year to integrate into that offense. He's going to have our boy DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, forcing defenses to respect him and not stack the box. This is my big money running back from out of nowhere this year. I love this kid. I struggle so much with Kenyon Drake. I was such a big fan of him three years ago. I watched the film on him. He's got good bursts through the hole. 
his right to left, his lateral cutting ability sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired. I tinkered with him. I gave up on him a little bit last year after taking him in the second or third round in 2018. It's such a classic LaFrey player based on the stats from last year. It's a boomer bust guy. You know, he, out of his eight games, you know, I think he only had three of them above 70 yards rushing. David Johnson's gone, which helps him. Chase Edmonds is still okay. It'll be interesting to see how much they split time there. Part of me loves the pick and part of me hates it, but I respect it. Fair enough, buddy. You're going to be a little surprised with this one because I don't know if this is quite LaFrary style, but he is kind of boomer bust. Tyreek Hill. <laughs> that, that is absolutely LaFrary style. And frankly, I thought he was coming in at number 11 for you. Put a higher value on him in leagues where you give bonuses to long touchdown receptions. Tyreek Hill is nigh impossible to overthrow. He's so fast. But basically, what does he have? He's got the go route. Nobody can run with him right now. That offense, dude's going to get his. I, I like him a lot. I, I, I wouldn't build my whole team around him, but if you pair him up with, you know, a possession receiver, if you want to go receiver heavy and you go, you know, you pick around seven or eight and you could get a Michael Thomas who's going to get that volume and then you pair him up with Tyreek Hill, you have the deep threat along with the possession guy. I mean, that's a wide receiver core. You may as well call it Timothy Dalton because it's going to scare the living daylights out of your opponents. I went back and forth on my Tyreek Hill ranking. We always heard like, oh, Tyreek Hill, you know, when he first came into prominence, Tyreek Hill is a gadget player. He's crazy fast. Everybody knows that. The last couple of years, he has really, really worked hard on his route running. And he is getting to the point where he's just about a, an elite route runner. It's not just about the vertical speed anymore. He is a legitimate number one receiver. Here's my knock on him, okay? The only games in which Tyreek Hill had double-digit targets were in losses, and I don't see many games that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to lose next year. The only game he had, he, he only had one game worth more than six catches. So he's just very reliant on the big play. That said, he is my number 15. Wow, we are really on the same page. And my only counter to that is that dude only needs one play to give you a week's worth of production. Couldn't <laughs> agree more. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's not – I'm only taking him, LaFurry, as you said, if he falls to me in a way that I feel like, okay, I've got a great possession receiver before him or he is clear-cut the best receiver off the board. Excellent, excellent. So being we've been so intertwined, our snake format is pretty much kaput, so I don't even know who goes next. It's you at 15. I'm out of bullets, so. Oh, you're out of bullets completely. Okay. So let's bring it home. Number 15, Chris Godwin. <laughs> Here's my logic. Mm -hmm. He's going from famous heinous Jameis to the goat of goats. I'm not talking Pat Mahomes. I'm talking about the guy that's actually got not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six Super Bowl rings. He was a top 10 receiver last year, if memory serves me correctly. And on top of that, 
He's got Mike Evans on the other side. What does that mean? He's not going to see a whole lot of double teams because if he's double teamed, Evans is double teamed. It makes for a lethal combination, and Brady is big on not forcing the ball. He's going to get single teams. He's going to get his. Brady will pick defenses apart, and I think Godwin is going to benefit the most from it. In the last couple years, I kept hearing the narrative that Godwin was going to break out. He was a sixth-round pick. There were, you know, Zay Jones was picked four rounds ahead of him. Corey Davis was the first one off the board that year. I just couldn't fathom a scenario where he could be good. And I read the scouting report, and I would just always say, he's raw, he's raw, and everybody told me otherwise. And I was wrong. He, he is a legit player to the point where Evans is the classic 6'4", go-get-it-over-the-top guy. I like Godwin. I'll share my notes with him potentially on a, a next episode where I may or may not have him in my ranking 16 through 20. Fair enough. So that's it. We got picks 11 through 15. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks again for your, your comments, your feedback. One last ask for you guys. If you don't mind, please hit that subscribe button. It really helps us to get some notoriety on YouTube, get a little more visibility. We're committed to this thing. And we're going we're gonna to keep it going. Hope you guys enjoyed everything we gave to you today. Absolutely. Thanks to everybody for watching. We do hope you subscribe. And also, please check out our webpage, fckpodcast.com. And our social media accounts are also on Twitter and Instagram. They are both fckpodcasts. So please give them a look. Thanks a lot, everyone. Have a good day.